Good day, everybody. Happy Thursday. It is October 29th. We have three days until the night of Halloween, which is the full moon, which is part of what we'll be talking about today. It's actually looking up some stuff. Um, but how was your day yesterday? It was Wednesday, middle of the week. You know, it's the middle of the week, so it's kind of like everybody calls it hump day because it's kind of the day where you're just like, it's not towards the end of the week. It's not the beginning when you're refreshed. So it's that lag or so people think, um, for me, because I have Tuesday off, I feel like I'm refreshed again for Wednesday. So to me, it's like the beginning of the week. Um, it was a good day. It was so nice out. The snow melted. So you can see the leaves on the ground. You guys, it snowed and got so cold, but there's still leaves on the trees. It's crazy. I can't believe it. Like, how are they sticking on there? They just won't let go. Huh. Metaphorically speaking, they just don't let go. Oh, you guys. That's a beautiful song by Rascal Flatts. I think I've posted it before on my personal timeline. It's called I Won't Let Go. And every time I hear that song, and I was listening to it yesterday on Facebook, it was a live version. And it just brings me to tears because I think about like God, that's how he is in my life. He never let go. He always just, he was always there through the good and the bad. Even when I didn't understand his leadership and I was going the wrong way. Um, he still just loved me through it. And you guys, in the beginning, I took every wrong turn I possibly could. You know how they say that the, the path to heaven is narrow and few find it. That's because when you start out on your spiritual journey with God, you know, you're probably doing everything wrong in the book morally. Let's be honest, I was. My mindset, my behaviors. And I was like, well, I woke up to God. He's real. He's here. I must be doing something right with this behavior. But the fact of the matter is that God took an opportunity to connect to me when I was disconnected from everybody else. And uh, I was doing everything wrong morally. I mean, I, was, I wanted to be a good person. My mind thought I was a good person. Oh, we're going to get on this topic. God is leading me again. He loves leading me. I suppose we'll talk about this topic. You guys, in my mind, and this was 2019. This was before I went to jail. Oh. I thought I was a good person. I thought everything I was doing was right. I was like, well, I'm just trying to be a good person. But the thing of it was, I was very selfish. I was living in a way where I isolated myself, thinking that my behavior didn't affect anybody else. When truly, my behavior affected everybody who cared about me. They were like, what's wrong with Christine? She's saying things that just don't make sense. She sounds crazy. Like the cops are at her house all the time. What's going on? Now she's in the psych ward. Now she's just gone. Like I literally did not come out in public for like two months, I think. March and April. I totally isolated myself in my apartment because I didn't want to be around people. Because I was so angry at the way things went down with my kids being removed in the psych ward. That really unhinged me in a way where I was like, I don't want to be around people. I blamed everybody else for what happened instead of looking at myself. But in trying to protect myself, in thinking... I thought I had it so wrapped up in my mind that I was a good person. I didn't see how my behaviors or lack of was affecting people. They saw it. They were like, Christine, but I couldn't see it. I didn't see it until I went to jail and I lost everything. 
I mean it. I lost everything. I lost my kids. I lost my kids like this. I had no way to find out what was going on truly. All I knew was the bits and pieces they would tell me when they got to visit me and the stuff that came through the jail. It terrorized me. I lost my kids. Things could be happening. Things like that happened to me. And there's nothing I can do about it. Those were the things that went through my mind. I think that was the hardest thing that I lost was my children. I remember breaking down about it. I journaled about it. I still have my journal from jail. I kept it because I, 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 I recognized so much of myself by being put in a position to lose everything. And I lost everything. And then when I got out of jail, I had nothing. I still didn't have my children. They went to live with a friend. Why are we talking about this, God? Hmm. Interesting. I don't know. Reflection, maybe? I don't know. So you guys, oftentimes what we think we are and what we truly are are two different things. We could think we're something all we want. For years I thought I was a good person. For years I thought I was doing it right. For years. For years. And then when I look back on my behavior, when I look back in full honesty and awareness of myself, I was a very toxic person. I had become my abuse, and I reflected that out towards anybody who tried to get close to me. God showed me that. He showed me that by taking away everything in my life that I, I didn't value. That's what he did. He goes, Christine, if you're not going to value your children the way I need you to, I'm going to take them away, and you're going to feel some pain. That's what God did. Oh. Hmm. There's a reason for this topic. God just doesn't get me flowing unless there's a purpose with these words. I'm thinking too hard on it now. So you guys, God put me in a place so that I could feel some pain because I wasn't treating the things he gave me the way they deserve to be treated. I had three children. They were just surviving, if that, if I'm being honest. There was no healthy communication or interaction. They were, you know, barely seeing me. I was so focused in on what I thought was personal growth. I lost my way. I was going the wrong way. I was going opposite of God. Even though I knew he was real, I was going exact opposite of the way he wanted me to go. He was tired of me. He was tired of it. But the thing about it was, was when I woke up to his presence, I knew. I said it to people. I said it. I said it to Lori. I'm going on a journey. I don't know what's going to happen to my kids. I was trying to plan a place for my children because I had seen somewhere in what God was showing me and prophesizing through me that I was going to lose my children at some point in time. That I was going to be gone. And I was doing everything I could to try to control the situation is what was going on. I was trying to plan where they were going to be. I had my car packed up for two months, you guys. I had my car packed with things in my house that were important to me. I had no, I had no idea where I was going. Oh, okay. So we're going to talk about prophesizing. You guys, God has prophesied through me. People called me crazy. God has prophesied through me about people in my life and things that were going to happen. He prophesied those things because... They had an impact in my life and my healing. So I knew I was going on a journey. That's what I told people. I'm going on a journey and I don't know where I'm going. I don't know. I didn't. 
but I could see somewhere I was going to be gone. I wasn't going to be present in my children's life. I can't believe I'm going to talk about this, God. Last time I talked about this, I went to the psych ward. It can't take me now. We're going to talk about this. Okay, you guys. So God, when I got excited about the whole Abraham prophecy thing, I get it. I get it because I've, I'm in that position. God has prophesied through me, but I have learned through failure when to say something and when not. So at the time this was all going down that week, I could see I wasn't going to be present in the moment in my children's life. I saw them in their own struggles. My son Vincent was going to be very much stuck inside of himself. He was going to be much like me. He was going to turn inward and he was going to be off on his own, his own little world. Okay. Bailey was going to be dealing with battles with her stepfather, using her to tick off his then girlfriend. I saw that. I told people about it. I'm not even kidding. I knew he was going to do that. I saw it. It was crazy. And I knew the reason why. And I told people about that too. I couldn't help it. Like I couldn't believe what I was actually seeing in my mind. I knew it was real. These things you cannot make up when it comes from God. When it truly like that. Details. I also saw a struggle between my older son and his father. That's why calling him out on his failing in parenting is so vital. Because eventually he's going to have to face his son. You have to face people that love you. You're going to have to face your behavior. He has to. He cannot deny the truth. Whatever I need to do that God calls me to do to get him there that much faster, I'll do. I want God's will to be done and it will be done. It will be done through me. I will not deny God. Whew, this is deep. I haven't thought about these things for a long time, you guys. This was a brutal week for me couldn't sleep. I couldn't, I couldn't focus. I just quit my job. I sounded like I was crazy. I just had all these things in my head. And what I was reading online was misdirecting me from what was really going to happen. So I saw these things and I knew eventually somehow I would be coming back somehow. I just had to be prepared for it. So what did I do? I packed my car. And I'm not even kidding. I had different bags for my children, for me. I had all the things I thought were important. <laughs> and they sat in there for two months in my car. My car was packed front to back. I did some pretty crazy things when I got out of the psych ward. I, I, I know people wondered if I was crazy, and I wasn't. God was leading me. I wasn't going to tell anybody about it because anytime I opened my mouth, the first thing they thought was she's drinking again. You know, and eventually I did go back to drinking again. But at the time, I wasn't. an interesting time for me you guys I'd never experienced that before I've never even heard of it I never known anybody personally that God has ever touched like that ever well now I have I've actually surrounded myself with people just like me that God's kingdom resides in them and they're big players in my community they're the biggest they're the ones in the trenches helping people, you know, investing in the treasures of the kingdom of God. These are the people that are in my life that are I hold the dearest in my heart. 
They have, God has used them to sculpt me because they themselves have been through some stuff. They've got some wisdom. When I talk about the man named Norm, I've spent some time with him. And I'm not just talking like, you know, general conversation. He was my mentor for months. And I took, I mean, God put us together like this. I knew it the day I met him, that he was somebody I would be watching and I would be heavily involved with. I just knew it because God told me. He told me. You need to be here, Christine. You need to spend time here. I was always at his place, the refuge. I was always there watching him, learning, being involved in his ministry, learning how he allowed the Holy Spirit to work through him. Oh, what a beautiful thing, you guys. Now the church that I'm in, pastor and his wife, his wife is, she is one of a kind. When I met her, it was like this. I felt okay. Like, I could just be me. And I could be honest and I could be vulnerable. And you guys, there was a moment this fall I went through a breakdown. I'd been hit with some news. that shattered my heart. I don't know how else to put it. I was broken. I, I, I think that week when I, I know towards the end of the week, cause it happened on like a, a Tuesday or a Wednesday. I didn't do videos for the rest of the week until Monday. That's how messed up I got inside. I didn't know how to process it. I never experienced this kind of heartbreak before. That's what it was. And I was really angry at God because he allowed it. And I know that sounds crazy, but that's, I was angry at him. You allowed this. You allowed this. I asked you, I asked you and you allowed it. It's like you led me to get slaughtered. I could have left well enough alone. I didn't want to go back into this situation. And here you led me right through it. Just led me right to it, God. That's how I thought. I was really broken. I was going. What was I going to do? I was going to remove myself from the church. I wasn't going to be an evil person and, you know, turn to the enemy. I just wasn't going to serve God anymore. I couldn't serve somebody who could do that to me. It hurt that bad. I, I, I wanted to die. And, um, I, I had a garden and this garden was a metaphorical representation of what God was planting in me. So I took the time, you know, God and I, we decided what we were going to plant in it. And I took really good care of it. It was a beautiful garden. You guys, I called it the garden of Eden. It was me. The garden was me. Okay. God was showing me through the garden what he was doing within me. It was a beautiful, beautiful thing. I'd go every night and I would tend my garden. It was beautiful. And I, this is how I got involved in the church that I'm in because that's where the garden resides, is on the church property. So I started to get to know the people at this church that, not, that I'm now part of. And when this happened, I thought, why did you even do anything with me? Why, why would you do this to me? This was my thinking in my heartache. God, you did all these things in within me. And um, you just allowed me to be shattered. Why? I was happy. Why didn't you just let me be alone? So one night I went over and I was going to rip up that garden. I was so angry. I was like, God, I'm never going to church again. I'm never serving you. I'm going to be alone. I don't want anything to do with you in my life. 
I will be a good person. I will do the right thing. But I don't want you in my life like that. I will never listen to you again. And um, I was like, I don't want that garden. I didn't want anything from God. This is how I get from the hurt that I've experienced in my past. I don't want anything from anybody. So on the way over to the garden, and I'm like, I'm trying to hold it in, you guys. Like, I'm trying to hold it in emotionally. I couldn't go anywhere without crying. I was just that broken. It, it, it shattered me. And as I got to the church property, here's the pastor's wife. She walks up to me. She knew, like this. She goes, it looks like you're struggling with something. And I just started bawling. I bawled. And I was like, I can't talk about it right now. I'm really angry with God. And I just can't process it right now. I just don't even want to talk about it. I go, but thank you. And I went over to my garden and I ripped every last plant that I had growing in there. I'm not even kidding you guys. I ripped it up in about five minutes. And you know how I felt? I didn't feel any better. I looked at it though and I was like, this didn't make me feel better. I feel worse. Because I enjoyed that garden. Um, you know, eventually God brought me out of that. Like only he can. And he showed me reason why I had to experience that pain. And I needed to experience it. But it was having people like that in my life. Because later on, at the end of the month, we had a backyard barbecue. She asked me what had happened. And I told her why I ripped up the garden. And the thing was, she gets it. Because the Holy Spirit works within her. So she understands what she understands that I'm on the narrow path and I'm coming out of something and she understands that like I'm I'm trying to let go of my past but she's learning from me she sees it and she's taking it in because I'm what I'm sharing is very open not everybody is as open I am with these things spiritually so she sat she goes that's so interesting just the spiritual side of it that's what I like to talk about the spiritual side of things God says I'm not getting off topic right now but I feel like I'm getting off a topic I don't know where he's guiding me with this it's so random you guys so we're going to talk about the full moon because I am done talking about this topic. Um, to be honest, let's talk about, okay, so before we start with the full moon, I'm going to tell you guys I'm on my fourth day of doing this tedious challenge exercise. And yesterday I was really, really sore. And I just want to take you guys through it. When you sit here and wonder what it's going to be like physically on your body, I'm explaining it to you. The process of how it feels like, how it changes you. I'm explaining how sticking to a challenge like this, whatever your challenge may be, how it will change you. So yesterday was the, you know, third day. And initially, I was only going to do Monday, Wednesday, Friday. But I knew, I was like, nah, that's too, that's, I'm either all or nothing. I'm not a partial kind of girl. I'm all or I'm nothing. There's no in between for me in anything in my life. I either give it my all or I don't give nothing at all. It's just the way it is. Um, God showed me something there too. Hmm. So yesterday was like the, the lag for me where I was like, oh man, two more days. And this morning I got up and it was easier, you guys. I'm, I'm going to like physically and mentally, I already had it in my mind. I knew exactly about how long it was going to take to do all of it. So I had a beginning, middle and end. 
Okay, that's how I break down the time increments for me. It's broken down into sections. And I also, you know, had the music to go along with it. And I was excited. I was so excited. So the very last set I did, I gave it my all. This time I wasn't, the very first two days I did this, I struggled. The very last, the very last set, I was struggling to even give anything. But today, the very last set, it was like a Hail Mary. I gave it my all. I was doing jumping jacks to extend fully and to have my muscles, you know, working at their optimum. And then the squat lunges um, were another one. Up until the very last one, I was giving it my all. And I felt really good. So on the very last one, I stood up and I was like, I did it and I gave it my all to the end. It felt so good, you guys. It felt so good. Like I felt good about it. I felt really good. So then I made my tea and I sat down and started my video. That is how I'm starting my Thursday. Pretty excited. So you guys, the full moon. The last time it was a full moon on Halloween was in 1944. Okay, the Halloween full moon is also known as the blue moon or the hunter's moon. And the reason it was called this was because that term came from the Native Americans because... Um, they would hunt during this moon. It would be bright. They could hunt at night. It was the end of the year. They were getting ready to hunt a final hunt to have skins and meat and stuff packed for the winter. You know, they were, they were preparing. This was the moon. They would hunt at night and prepare. The natives were very smart about how they did things. They were very, very smart. In fact, the um, area in which this town resides in where I live, there used to be a native tribe here, tribe here, but then the U.S. Army took over and built a fort. Why? Because of the way this town sits. We sit in a valley like this. And when you're down in the center of the valley, you can see the crest all the way around from a good distance. So now as the natives back in the day, this was the perfect place to be because you were in the center of something that was nice and flat. There was water, there was fishing, there was hunting, there was everything, there was protection. But you also could see anybody coming from a distance. So you had time to prepare, but you could see them coming on the ridge. Nobody could sneak up on you. This was a beautiful location for the Native Americans. But ironically, you know... U.S. Army, what really happened was, and later on I'll do this on further detail, because, you know, half of my descendants came from Norway. and We established here in North Dakota. This is from my mom's side. But the reason Norwegians and Scandinavians were able to come over is because they had to, U.S. Armies came in and rounded up, contained, and exterminated some of the Native Americans. This is facts, you guys. I'm just going to say it like it is. You may not like it, but it's the truth. They rounded up the Natives that were easy to control and put them in reservations, okay? And then with the ones that were resistant, they exterminated them. So they cleared out the land to create an establishment, to create an area to then bring in Norwegians, Scandinavians, and all that. And that's how my family ended up here. I was really upset when I found out this information. I was like, that's how we came to live here? This is messed up. But that's how it was back in the day. I didn't do that. But, but that's how... North Dakota came to be with all the forts. At some point in time, they decided that they were going to rid the land of the natives one way or another. They were going to take over so that they could bring over, you know, Scandinavian um, people. And that's how it came to be. So back to the full moon. That is why it's called the hunter's moon. The blue moon is not because of the color. If you ever see the, a, a moon that's got color such as blue, that's the filter on the camera. It's wrong. Too many people filter, filter pictures. Just leave it natural. 
It's very rare, you guys, also that there's two full moons in one month. You guys, the last full moon was on October 1st. I know. I remember. It was a great day for me. That was, well, was it? It was a great day. I was liberated. <sighs> well, I was. I was liberated. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. Um, and here we are again. So it's very rare in the year that there is two moons that fall in the same month. Um, a full moon will happen every 29 days. So it is possible for two in one month, but very rare. So you guys, this moon should be visible to most people. It's going to be exciting. I'm excited. I have a thing for full moons. I really do. So I'm really excited. And I have, I've always been obsessed with Halloween. Halloween was like my favorite holiday. I mean, yeah, I love Christmas, but Christmas has gotten twisted. I don't like it. I don't like how we celebrate it now. So, um, but Halloween will forever be, I love it. I love Halloween. We'll see how this year rolls. So you guys, we are in Genesis chapter 13. Yesterday as a recap, we talked about Abraham and how he just, uh, you know, ugh, I can't stop touching my hair. Sorry, guys. How he asked Sarah to say that she was his sister so that he wouldn't get killed. So for his own selfish gain to protect his own skin, he sacrificed the virtue of his wife with the pharaohs of Egypt. Um, and God was so upset, he raised a plague on the Egyptians and the pharaoh. And the pharaoh was literally shoving Sarah out of there going, uh, Abraham, you lied, get out. Ironically, you guys, God will make these things happen. And I, when I talked about it yesterday, I know from personal experience, God has rid my life of some people. It was quite interesting. God will make things happen. Suddenly, they will no longer be here. They will be called away. Something will happen. God will make things happen. So, I, I'm, I know how he is when he protects the ones who are true to him. So, you guys, in the very uh, last verse of chapter 12, it says, So the Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all he had, him as in Abraham. So in chapter 13, it goes, Then Abraham went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all he had, and Lot with him to the south. I have to figure out, you guys, I want to know who Lot is. I, mean, I kind of recall, but I want to... Where's that genealogy? Lot was his nephew. Lot was Abraham's nephew, you guys. Okay. To the south. Okay. Abraham was very rich in livestock, silver, and in gold. Well, thanks to sacrificing his wife, Sarah. Hooray for you, Abraham. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai to the place of the altar which he had made there at first. And there Abraham called the name of the Lord. Lot also went with Abraham, had flocks and herds and tents. Now the land was not able to support them so they might dwell together for their possessions were so great they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. Because back then, you guys, when, you know, they didn't just travel, just the three of them. They probably had people with them. They had people who shepherded the livestock, servants, stuff like that. I mean, you had people like that within your, you were building your own community, essentially. As a man, you were supposed to be begin building your own community, you know, leading people. You were supposed to be the leader, creating things and leading. So that's what these guys were doing. They were creating something, but both of their creations were starting to be so great. The land was not big enough to hold both of them, and they were starting to clash in their leadership. 
Um, the Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. So Abraham said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, I will go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, and it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So where where Lot was looking, and we haven't gotten into Sodom and Gomorrah yet, sorry of that. That was the area, so it looked beautiful, it looked nice. Sodom and Gomorrah ended up getting destroyed, but that's another story. Ah, I like how you allude. God is alluding. God is an alluding God. I love it. It's exciting. Where do we leave off? Like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go towards Zor. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. Okay. And the Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. I will make your descendants as dust of the earth, so that if man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. And Abraham moved his tent and went and dwelt in the Terebinth trees of Memre, which are in Hebron, and built an altar there to the Lord. So you guys, this was the way things were meant to be. Lot was meant to separate the way he was because he eventually Lot, out of Lot, the Moabites and I got to repronounce this name. So you guys, give me two pronouns. There it is. Wait. Wait. Give you play. Mm -hmm. Even are you gonna stay the only one who ever knew me again? The answer that could never be found the moment you decided to let Oh, here we go. Here we go. Oh, I love Bible speak, you guys. When I can't pronounce something and I keep trying to say this name. Ammonite. Am, uh, wait, am, uh, night, ammonite, ammonite, okay, you guys, um, because this is important that I say this correctly, because these were big players that worked against God, because see, from Noah, who came from God, Came the people against God and came the people for God. Like there was a split of nations somewhere and it happened with Lot. Because see now where it was meant to be, here was the split, you guys. Here in chapter 13 was the split of the, of the uh, descendants of Noah, right? You have the nephew and you have the uncle. You have Abraham and you have Lot. And they split and went their own ways out of Lot came the Ammonites and the Moabites and they were they worshiped other gods they worshiped gods that were non-existent they just created them and that went against they went against the god that Abraham believed in do you see how the split of the nation came so this is a very huge chapter and recognizing this is where the split happened okay 
So here they were, these two people. You have Abraham, who's the uncle. You have Lot, who's the nephew. They both acquired great and many things from the Pharaoh of Egypt for the sacrifice of Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. Did she ever get a thank you? Thank you, Sarah. You sacrificed. So these men could have these things, and I don't hear a thank you in the Bible. So these men have these great and many riches, right? And they're starting to clash in their leadership, and the land cannot hold all that they're creating. Because truly, they are growing to create their own nations. This was what was happening. They were growing in their own. They were growing to create their own, their own community, so to speak. They were growing so big, Lot wanted it his way, and Abraham was wanting it his way. But the thing you never hear is Lot ever really going to God. Abraham, he went to God. He made poor choices. We'll say that. Every man does. God still loved him, but Lot, you never hear him really, you never hear it mentioned he ever goes to God. So Lot and Abraham clashed, where eventually Abraham goes, and you know, this was where Abraham did take the higher road. He goes, you choose where you want to go. And in letting him choose, he could never come back on Abraham and go, well, you sent me here and it didn't work. No, Lot, you chose. And I think that was well planned out. God knew this was going to happen this way because God was able to, to make it happen in a way where Abraham was going to stay in the land in which the Israelites would later reside. Abraham's descendants would later come back to this very land. So Lot chose with his flesh desire. He saw it looked good. It looked nice. This is most men, you guys. Most people, not even going to specify men, most people will look at something and decide based on first glance. That's a flesh desire. You don't see with the eyes of God. Um, you don't see the value in things. So where Lot saw, well, it's got water, it's got all this, it's perfect. See, Abraham sat back and let God do all the deciding. Very smart. See, Abraham knows what's up. He made poor choices, but God still loved him. Um, so off Lot went, and out of that is where the Moabites and the Ammonites came from. And those were the tribes that created and worshipped a completely non-existent God. And in doing that, they were able to justify their toxic, selfish, greedy, self-serving behavior. Really, that's what those tribes were like. They were terrible. They enslaved people. They were like the Egyptians. They were just like that. Um, and when Abraham finally had the land alone, it was out of freedom because Lot chose. Lot chose. So Lot could never come back and say, well, I really wanted this one. Lot got what he wanted. He got what his flesh eyes saw. And you guys, just later on, God did destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Spoiler, but for those of you following, you probably know that. Um, and it's interesting because I've read the part of the Bible where Moses came Joshua and they're all walking the same land but here's the first time that the man that God told had him walking around here he was placing his footsteps for his descendants on this land just as right now I'm placing my footsteps in the in the land of the kingdom of God for my children and my descendants my children are being raised in the word they understand it. They they know it. They live it. They breathe it. We live the word. They hold me accountable, you guys. I can't swear in my home. And I, I do swear. I swear every once in a while. Um, I do strategic swearing as well. But uh, <laughs> my kids are like, no, no, no. My daughter, she'll sit right across and she'll go, oh, and you can swear now? <sighs> no, I can't, baby. You're correct. Um, 
but it's them being able to correct me that's preparing them to go out in the world and feel confident in correcting others. So you guys, um, sorry, got distracted. Uh, so recap, now I can't even focus. We talked about God prophesizing through people and he still does it today. He did it through me. Um, I don't talk about it anymore. This is the first time I've talked about it since it's happened. Because of the way people reacted around me, I had nothing to back me up. You want to know how they threw me in the psych ward, you guys? They got an involuntary committal because I wouldn't answer my door. I had the right to not allow people in my home, and they were able to get, uh, what do they call it? It's an involuntary committal. I had to spend two days. It was a good two days. I took advantage of the time. And I really got involved in the activities. I'm not going to lie. I didn't spend the time being angry. I took advantage of the time there. And I got involved in the activities. And I learned to participate. Because I had never done that before. And so in the end, I took something that was made to be bad. And I turned it into good. But out of that, I allowed fear to kind of control me. And it, it caused me to isolate myself. But God will prophesy through you if you're called to do those things. But you have to make yourself available to God. You have to put, you gotta be in the grind. You gotta do the things He asks you to do. You gotta live the way of Jesus. You have to practice it. You have to keep practicing and going back no matter how many times you fall on your face. I've fallen on my face. I've tried my best and failed, but I still keep going back. I never give up. I don't understand. I don't know. I don't want to say failure, but when I want something, I'm going to have it. I wanted this. And I have lived a life where I didn't want a lot of things. I lived very numb for a very, very long time. There was nothing that ever sparked my desire. When people are like, what do you want to do? Do this, do that. I remember somebody was trying to get me into real estate. I really wasn't interested in it. Why? Because the people that were doing it were immoral. They were handling their business immorally. And that's not how I go. I didn't like it. I didn't like the ethics. I can't work like that. It does something to me. There was nothing that sparked me in all the years of my life. I couldn't figure out what that thing was in me that I was searching for, that passion. But man, once God came into my life, that changed. It's like an obsession. I wanted it. I wanted, wanted something greater than myself and I went chasing after it. I mean, there's been things along the way that have suddenly become something I really want. I never thought I would want things like this they're very few things but they're deep there's something that i can't just shake like it's like a string attached to me and i just can't cut it to myself you guys ever see the hercules movie and at the end they're trying to cut the life of hercules you know you got the three witches over there and they're like we're gonna cut hercules life he's trying to save that girl and we're just gonna take his soul and they go to cut it and the string turns to gold and they're like, maybe these scissors are dull. That's, that is how I feel with my passion with God and educating myself. Like I'm educating myself as I do this. Um, and that's how I feel about some other things in my life. Like I just can't cut. I just can't as hard as I try. I want to. I tried, but I can't. So it must meant to be. So you guys, there's a recap of the full moon. I don't know why this one excites me so much. I don't know why. And I'm not even going to go trick-or-treating. I'm probably not even going to dress up, to be honest. 
but it's the fact that it's just Halloween and I get to watch other people and their craziness. It'll be exciting. So you guys, Thursday, the challenge of the day. What is something, you know what? Do something for somebody else today. That's your challenge. Do something kind for somebody else. Say something kind, like genuine. Encourage somebody. Be that empowerment. Do something. Hold a door for somebody. Oftentimes when I'm going over to get groceries at the grocery store near me, um, I walk in the door where the pharmacy is at and usually there's always an elderly person who's parked in the handicap coming in and they struggle to get up the steps and I will wait the extra minute to hold the door for them and say, um, they'll be like, thank you. And I'll go, yes, you're welcome, sir. Or you're welcome, ma'am. You know, to carry on that legacy of respect. Like I show my kids through my example how to be in this world. Um, and one gentleman yesterday, he stopped and he goes, he was very shocked to be called sir. And it's like, you know, it's, it's not sad that that's rare. It just means that we need to do it more. We need, we, you, 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 and I need to do it more. We need to be the example. In order for the world to change, you and I have to change first. I had to change for my children to change, for people around me to change. When I say please and thank you at work, people are always saying you're welcome. Like when you show kindness, people return kindness. They will mimic goodness if you are the example of goodness. So somebody's got to step up. So instead of complaining about the world and being like, oh my God, you know, there's not enough kindness. Well, right there, you're being the negative one. So, okay, get rid of the negativity and actually be the kindness in this world. That's your challenge. Be the kindness. Do something kind for somebody else. Step outside of your world and do something kind for somebody else. You should be doing it every day, but today that's going to be the challenge. So you guys have a happy Thursday. You have your challenge and God bless.